0: everyone, and welcome to Paranormal Roundtable, PRT for short. My name is Josh Turner, also known as Wolf.
1: And my name is Tony, <clears throat> also known as Mushu.
0: And you may call him Mr. Mushu, and you can call me Mr.
1: Wolf. Uh, it's Mr. Professor Dr. Mushu. Right? Mr. Professor
0: Doctor? Yeah. Well, you, you can just leave the Mr. off and just call yourself Professor Doctor of, of MD of bullcrap. No, no,
1: no, it's Mr. Professor, that's one word. Yeah, Mr. Professor. It's, oh, it's, it's Mr. a higher standard. Oh, so you're Dr.
0: Mr. Professor. Yeah, exactly. I guess okay, that's, that's a better way of saying it. Yeah. yeah,
1: all right. And what are you the doctor of? Um, stuff. I don't know. There's just so many subjects I know. that I'm just so well-versed yeah. in. It's hard to really pinpoint it. Yeah, I know. believe but it. But I guess if I had to choose, I would just say um, the human body, everything, I guess. On the-
0: I, I feel the same way. I know so much that it's just like I'm overwhelmed with my own knowledge. Yeah. Like I just know so much stuff. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard being as smart as we are, dude. Really. Yeah,
1: and the problem is, like, when people like argue with me, it's like you don't understand my pains of knowing how much I know. So yeah, I might get some confused. Doesn't mean I was wrong. It just means that I wasn't. You know, you're confused by all your your vast array of knowledge. Exactly. There, you know? I, if anyone understands, it would be you, I guess. Yeah,
0: I mean, okay. we 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 both know we're both experts. We said that on the previous show multiple folks. times, multiple yep. times.
1: Yeah. People dare to question us too. How it's ridiculous! Cra- it's
0: crazy. It's nuts. It's mind numbing. So doswolfman 88 at gmail.com, DasWolfman88 at gmail.com. Uh, seriously, folks, we're going to get a show going here. Real quick, uh, check out our prt PRTPodcast.com, PRTPodcast.com. You can go up there and buy some stuff. We got uh, shirts.
1: Yeah, links to all kinds of stuff, our PayPal, our merch store. You know, I just got an email saying someone was posting on the, the, mm-hmm. in the art section too, so that's pretty cool. So go check that out.
0: Well, Tony – it hit up on a on a, on a, a good point. He it, th- that's what you majored in is stuff, mm-hmm. and that's what these people need to go buy is mm-hmm. stuff from us. So there you go. Exactly. The show tonight's going to be about stuff, all kinds. So- <laughs> all right, seriously, folks. So go and check that out. Th- that's my email address. That's my podcast uh, uh, website or our podcast website. I'm sorry, I said mine. It's it's ours and uh, the PRT team, and uh, just go check it out. We have, a, to uh, tell you our group, my main group is Paranormal Roundtable, and Tony and me and Nellie and Anthony are all, you know, in the admins of that group. And then we have uh, Tony's Paranormal Encounters, and I believe it's you and Chief, right? Yeah. That are running that. So you yeah. and Chief are running that, and uh, Chief's been on the show a few times. He's also a contributor with stories and things like that he gives me sometimes. And... uh so yeah, so check out that group, Paranormal Encounters, and then my wife's uh, the admin of Paranormal Lounge, so go check that out. That's her uh, her group, then her and Tony are competing to try to see who can get the most members, but we're all in it together. We're all the same. I mean, everybody's in these groups together. So uh, each one has its own little flavor, I guess. And then we have Cryptid Squad by Michael Moran, and then the other group on Facebook is Lori Shivers Group, Cryptids and Paranormal Reality. So go check it out. Check out those groups. Uh we're we're close to, at this point to getting uh Laurie over a thousand. So trying to get that done. Go check out the fan page, Josh Wolf Turner and Paranormal Roundtables fan page and uh check it out. We got a lot of stuff posted on there, pictures and stuff. I want to thank all the people who've contributed to the crazy pictures of of me and various whatever. Uh Todd Grayson and uh Deborah Crawford and uh Curtis Turner, I want to thank you guys for all the crazy pictures you've been sending out and putting out, or whatever. By the time this airs, it's probably going to be of a a while back, but you guys still put them out there. And Deborah's done it a few times periodically, and uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys with the funny cartoons and all the, the crazy uh,
1: pictures. Yeah, I mean they're they're hilarious to look at sometimes when you're just going through and you see it. You know, it definitely brings a chuckle to me.
0: Mm-hmm. They make me and Mushu look uh, quite hilarious. The hilarity level is high, folks. Anyway, anyways, so we're going to get started here. Uh, we're going to talk tonight. About a cold, dark place, I guess. Cold, dark place. Yeah, this is weird subject for me, okay, folks? I have, uh, of course, I used to work at a nightclub, and I have a lot of friends from back in the day who were mm, miscreants. I don't know how, how would you say the words. Uh, they weren't always, like, obeying the law. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to comment on myself or my past, but these people, are, there's a lot of people who I've known over the years who... um are not exactly on the up and up entirely. Yeah, not on the up and up. And one of the stories that I got, which I may, I may not be able to tell tonight because it might take up the bulk of one show, maybe not an entire show, but it's... And that involves a guy that was a cat burglar, a friend of mine, and um, a paranormal experience that he had in... Um, Breaking into someone's house, which is something he shouldn't have been doing in the first place. I'm not big on thieves. Folks, I hate thieves. This is the only friend that I've ever – or not really, I don't want to call him a friend, but – Quentin, or Somebody that would come yeah. to the club, yeah, and he was always talking about his exploits. And uh, he was a friend of a friend, a really good friend of mine, knew this guy. And he had told me about th- – that this guy legitimately did that. He would break into houses. He knew how to disable alarms. He was a, a messed up dude. <laughs> And then there was something that he witnessed, which was criminal, which I'm not going to get into on the show, but then Tony, you probably know about it. Yeah, that. you've told me before. Yeah, it's a crazy story. I'm sure your your stepdad told you too. It's an old story. But anyways, he witnessed something very paranormal. And and so at once, some point and then of course he did end up actually going to prison at some point for a few years. But uh you commit crimes, you do. At the time. time, yeah. That's right. So anyways, At some point I may tell that story, but I'll get into that at another time, just kind of giving you a little advertisement on that one. It's a pretty good one. What I'm going to talk about tonight are stories that I've gotten from various uh, people who have been in, and I should say, people who've been in various prisons around uh, not just the state of Texas, but different places. I don't know what the parameters are exactly about naming these places so i'm i don't know if i should be naming the prisons I'm better safe
1: than sorry I yeah
0: i guess maybe we shouldn't do that because i can tell you exactly which at least four or five of these which ones they were at but so i think if we just are they all in texas or just all? um all but like one or oh, okay. two actually I was just say two. maybe we should name a but state, i have a lot but... of them i have enough for probably two episodes but i'm gonna at least bang out an episode with with, with this and maybe we'll come back to this topic later and once we've gone through this whole bevy of topics, then eventually we'll redo it because we'll have every every time I do a topic, folks, I get a fresh batch of stories. They come pouring in from people that are like, oh my gosh, this this is something that happened to me. And it creates new threads. So we just keep pulling and pulling and the fibers just keep coming like a cheap sweater that just keeps falling apart in your hands. So the threads that I'm talking about the prison stories I got the the these are are some of them are pretty crazy, man. Like I don't even know where to begin. I I just was like, hey, I was going to leave with this one, but then I thought maybe I should leave this other one. But I can tell you some crazy stories. Um, and then I I got one pretty crazy story about prison that I'm going to leave with you on for another episode. A buddy of mine had a cellmate that told him a really crazy story, and I'm going to tell that one in, in another alternate realities show that we're going we're planning to do soon. So I'll be looking for that one. But these here that I'm going to tell tonight, um, I picked some of the better ones that I've heard over the years. And believe me, I've heard a lot of them. I've had friends that have gone to prison and have gotten flesh-eating bacteria. They ended up with staph infection that recurs constantly. And they've been bitten by brown recluse spiders and black widows. And they've seen people get their heads caved in. They've seen people uh, get shanked and just riots in the and horrors of, of prison, all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah. It's terrible. Some of the things that they've told me and we're not going to get into all those, but what we're going to get into is the paranormal aspect of it. When you go to prison. Okay. And I haven't been there, but a lot of people I know have, including people that are very close to me, that when, when you go to prison or jail, either one, you spend an extended period of time in jail or, or prison Texas prisons in particular are pretty tough, and um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in these prisons, there's a lot of violence that takes place, and some of the people that I've talked to over the years, and I'm talking of years and years, talk, going back to when I was a, a, t- a young teenager, just talking to people that, you know, that in my neighborhood, they would get locked up, and they'd come out, and I'd ask them, what was it like? I've always been very curious about a lot of things, and like I said, they would tell me these horror stories, but sometimes I would get some weird stories out of them, like these weird paranormal stories. Uh, Because people die in prison. People die and sometimes they die of natural causes. People will literally just live their life sentence out in prison and die. They'll just stop breathing because that's their fate. They're just going to die in prison. And then there are people who die worse in worse ways. They are violently killed in prison because that is a, something that happens frequently in prisons and i think that what happens when blood and emotions uh, saturate the environment the physical environment it leaves an imprint a, a residual yeah and so some of that could be chalked up to that but i think also there are vengeful spirits that kind of linger and i think that demonic entities can can be attracted to the blood and the violence and whatever and just kind of come and stick around what are your thoughts on that tony
1: i mean i feel like uh if there was going to be a place for you know demonic entities to thrive it would be a place where there's so much uh, hatred and there's so much anger out, either what's going on to people or at other you know aspects, either you know in such a confined space too, where you have so many people just put together and they it really just is like an um, emotional stir a pot basically, and it just like if you, I was a demon and I wanted to feed on something, that would be a good place to go. Yeah, especially negativity. Negativity, hatred, anger, yeah. all
0: that. Prisons are also very highly racially divided. I mean, it's that's pretty much it. It's a microcosm of the worst uh, society. I mean, you know, it's pretty much. So without getting too far into the whole social part of the prison and all that, I'm going to get into a story here. And uh, this took place in a prison here in Texas. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say where or who it was. They also are not, I don't know that I would have permission to say any of these people's names, but uh, this one was pretty interesting. I'm just going to start off with this one. There was a guy that was in prison and his cellmate was, uh, took took medication. He had heart heart problems and everything. And so they were constantly going in and into to to the room to give him his bring him out give him his meds every few hours or whatever cuz he had heart problems or whatever and the 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 guy had been his cellmate for about 2 months and there was nothing really unusual about the guy um but then one night in the middle of the night the guy started gasping for air and and he was on the top bunk and and this particular guy that told me the story he was on the bottom bunk and uh, he said the guy started, like, kicking his feet and, and wiggling around, as he said, you know, above him. And he's like, hey, knock it off. So he kind of bangs on the bottom bunk, and uh, you know, on the, below the top bunk to knock it off, you know. And the guy just continues to, to, to flail about. And then the next thing you know, his feet are hanging over the side of the dill. And he's like, oh, okay, I guess he's, he's done. He's awake. Well, what he sees is this guy literally go flying forward, lurches forward, and then gets thrown across the cell. Now, I believe he said that the cell w- was, was a, was a if I remember correctly, it was like 8 by 10. It's a very small cell. It wasn't very big at all.
1: Like blood in, blood out? Yeah, it was
0: like just a very small cell. It was like 8 feet wide or something like that, and then 10 feet, you know, whatever. So it wasn't a very big cell, but I guess it would be bigger than some. I've heard of some being very small, like 8 by 8, you know. But, uh... From what he, what I, if I remember correctly, in this story, he said that it was like an eight by ten. So the guy gets thrown across the, the 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 cell, and hits the wall and and falls. And he said that that it was like he was in shock. He's like, did this guy who was an older gentleman? He said, did he just get up and throw himself <laughs> off of the top bunk and go flying into the wall? Which he was pretty confident that that's not what happened. He really felt like there was something there. He said that after this happened, he heard the guy laid there motionless, you know, and it was dark, but, you know, you could still see there's light coming in from the bars or whatever. And he said that the guy laid there motionless and the guard, like the guards whatever were not nowhere to be found. So he starts yelling, Hey, Hey, I need help. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's coming. And, uh, he said that he, he heard footsteps and it felt like he felt like uh, somebody was behind him breathing. And the guy that, that was laying on the ground, he was unconscious. So he knows it wasn't him and it wasn't a guard. Nobody had come into the cell with him. And so he was standing there with this, whatever it was, breathing down his neck and he turns around and he doesn't see anything, but he's just hundred percent convinced that there was something invisible. As he said, he said up to that point in his life, he was completely atheist, did not believe in God. He didn't believe in Christ. He didn't believe in anything. He was just an atheist. He was a lawless person of what we would call a reprobate mind, like just completely lost. So did not believe in anything, had not had as what he says, no no paranormal experiences up to that point had ever taken place in his life. And he said that, that this was an incident where he witnessed somebody being attacked and what he described was an invisible attacker. Now, what can, pr- proceeded to take place was like he heard this breathing in the cell and he felt like, like you could hear and almost feel a heartbeat, like boom, 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 boom. He said he felt it. It was like palpable, you know? And he said that what ended up happening was this guy that was laying on the ground began to be drugged a- across the cell. And then he, like, the guy looked like he was flipped up, like somebody was puppeting him and lifted him up. And he said it was literally like watching an invisible person attack this guy. And he said that what happened was this guy's arms were moved out, straight out to his sides, and that there he was lifted up. If I remember exactly how he said he was lifted up and then slammed two times against the wall, cutting the guy's head. And I guess at some point the guy woke up while this slamming was going on and was screaming for help. Well, eventually the, he just stood there in shock. He didn't know what to do. The guy told me the story. Eventually the prison guards came up and they were like, what the heck? And they thought that he was attacking the other guy, but he backed up and put his hands up and he's like, I'm not doing anything. And the guards were unlocking the door. He said that they stopped in mid motion and stood there staring at this guy off the ground, a foot off of the ground,
1: being thrown into the
0: thrown wall. into the wall mm-hmm. and being held there, what looked like by invisible hands or arms, you could even see the indentions into his shirt, and he said that or into his suit, you know whatever, and uh that these guards witnessed it, they saw it, and he said one of them was a was a guy that was a African-American guy was a good friend of his, like the, he'd known the guard had been there for three years and known him very well. And they, they had talked about it later on, you know, and, and this guy had to tell, you know, his boss what they saw. And that you know, so they wouldn't charge, um, this gentleman that told me this story, they wouldn't charge him with assault. Well, after that, those prison guards told the truth, one of them got dismissed just outright. And the other one uh, took his story back so he could keep his job. And, um, but the other guy eventually got rehired. They brought him back or whatever. Uh, according to the guy that told me this story, I wouldn't call him like a friend, but he was an acquaintance. He had told me that, that this cell, he had been in this cell for about two months in that particular cell. Like he had been in prison for a while, but he was in that particular cell for a couple of months. And it was actually an upgrade from a cell he had before on another unit, which was really bad. So he liked that cell was like, like a good cell, you know? So here's what happened. Okay. There's more to the story than, than than meets the, I guess, ear, as you would say, Uh, because, you know, it's hard to wrap your mind around what this guy's telling me. Now, Common sense would dictate that if the guards hadn't come and seen the guy hovering off the ground, they're just going to automatically say this guy assaulted him. And I'm going to think you're lying and you probably beat this guy up. So you make up some cockamamie story to try to get out of it. That's not unheard of. And in fact, um, according to what I've heard from a prison guard friend of mine who I've known about uh, two or three of them that have been prison guard friends who gave me stories, too, by the way, at least two of them. They they told me that happened all the time. People get beat up, and they, and the, with the doors locked, and they're like, "Uh, well, I didn't assault this guy. He threw himself up. <laughs> he slammed himself into the toilet and busted his head open. That fool's crazy." Well, that's not what happened with this guy. There was witnesses. No. Okay, thankfully for him. Yeah, thankfully for him. He didn't get charged with anything, but the bosses wanted to. You know, they wanted to charge this guy with something because this guy got roughed up. Well the 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 inmate that it happened to told him told the, the the warden himself with his own words he goes something attacked me it pulled me off of my bunk and verbatim what happened and exactly what my acquaintance told me uh, that it happened his story matched and so they thought maybe this guy was afraid Maybe the guards ran on it. They looked at the cameras. They didn't. They couldn't really see inside the cell so good with the camera, but they could see the guards going over there and going in. So they said maybe that's what happened. They couldn't explain the camera footage. You know, the guards were there looking. I mean, there was nothing. There was no way that they could say that this didn't happen because uh, the guy said this is what happened, and the guy that it happened to said this is what happened. The guard said that's what happened, but they weren't convinced. So they sort of interrogated him over and over again to try to get him to say that he actually assaulted this guy because at first when the guards came in, all they saw was his back and then that guy against the wall. So they're hinging everything on that report that they got. Well, here's what happened. The guy tells him that what he believes had happened was he had crossed some guys from a Mexican prison gang. And there's different ways to skin a cat. So I guess these guys, they couldn't move on this dude the way they would like, because he was a somebody from the olden days with a Aryan gang. And he was still sort of protected. Well, the guy that I know, I, I didn't said the guy barely spoke. He saw his tattoos and saw that he was a, with this other group, uh, And so he knew that he was, but he never talked about it. So he never asked the guy and the guy spoke very little and he was old and he was on medication and he, this guy, luckily he told his outfit, you know, that he was associated with, Hey, this guy didn't do this. This was, you know, he told his cellmate, the guy that told me this story that very matter of factly, he told the investigators, he told the warden himself, he told everybody that he was he had had a curse put on him by another gang by a, by a Mexican prison gang for something he had done a few years before and when he ran into a couple of the guys that had ended up in that unit where he was at they did a black magic sort of a black magic ceremony on him uh like like a brujo or bruja would do you know like a witch and they did this curse they put a curse on him He didn't see anything. Like the guy told my acquaintance that he did not see an entity grab him. But the night before he witnessed a shadow like move across the wall that had red eyes and that it was staring at him. And so he suspected that something had happened. And he told my acquaintance uh, contact that he knew that these guys were capable of doing this because he had seen it before in another prison where he was at. Now, he claims in that other prison—this uh, one is down near Houston, on the other side of Houston—he claims in that prison that he had ran into some of these people and that that, that they took care of people like that. They would literally uh, pray to this uh, demonic saint um, and that this uh, evil saint, whatever you want to call it, would, would send somebody to dispatch you like a demon. And this particular one that attacked him was it was it was an invisible one. He said, but he could feel, he could smell its breath, and it was like rotten flesh, and that it's he felt like what were like talons on the end of this this of invisible hands, and that it attacked him in the cell, and that you know, of course, the guy witnessed it and everything. And it was like, a, such a crazy story. Like, you know, and I, and this guy told me, this is the only story that this particular person told me or ever told me. And we were actually at a buddy of mine's house and we were playing quarters, you know, like whatever. Well, this guy didn't drink and, and, uh, we were playing quarters, but they were having a card game going and they were playing Texas Hold'em and whatever. And, uh, we got into the subject of weird stories. Well, my buddy said, Hey. You know, Wolf. He collects crazy stories, and he he likes to retell the crazy stories, and and he's into all that weird stuff. He's a, he's into that weird crap. That's like his hobby. And so, this guy goes, "Well, I got a crazy story for you." And of course, this guy had been in prison for years. He spent like seven, eight years in prison. And uh, the guy that he that that happened to was a lifer. He had been in there for a long time, and he had been in in different units and different. Prisons whatever and they'd moved him around because he was a gang member, and so, yeah, he was convinced that he was cursed that they had put something on him. Well, they separated him and that guy because of obviously that something they they you know, and he did get put in a cell on his own, and he got attacked again. And the guard that I was telling you about, that was that he was friends with, that he that the one the one that didn't get fired, whatever, he was an African American. He told him that he had seen this before. Of course, he called it a haint when he was working at a prison in Louisiana. He said that that it was a voodoo curse, like they did voodoo. It's the same principle. You, know? yeah. you can see people doing it in different prisons and and people getting attacked in the middle of the night and and no one is taking the blame for it. Well. In the prison, they're not going to write it up as, oh, yeah, a person was attacked by an invisible entity, because that just doesn't happen. So somebody was, was an assailant. They had to be somebody. And so he said, but he had seen this before. And these, these witches, these voodoo, would conjure up a, a, a haint to do the do the dirty work, to to attack these people. And so that's what this guy believed was happening. He got attacked again and almost killed. He was choked again. And... They did a bit of big investigation and tried to say, oh, the guards must be in on it and blah, blah, blah. And they had questioned a bunch of people and they had re-questioned my friend or my acquaintance, whatever. And uh, he he was just very, matter of fact, like he put his cards down in the middle of a game and just started talking about it. And everybody was just sitting there with their mouths open while he told this story in front of me and like several of my friends. And uh, yeah, it was a crazy story. That one right there was one that just, that just made my hair stand up because he looked me dead in my eye. And told me this is what happened. This is the honest truth.
1: You want a crazy story? There it is. Prison isn't bad enough. Now you got to worry about people sending demons after Demonic you. Demonic
0: curses on you.
1: And thankfully, that demon was restricted in some way because, you know, in a perfect world, he would have attacked both of them and then killed, killed yeah, them. Yeah, he
0: wasn't the target. Though, he wasn't either. the target. Yeah, so, exactly. like, the demon,
1: I think, like, the demon couldn't hurt him because why wouldn't he? Like, if if the goal was to take out this other guy why would you just leave him and allow him to be able to call help and get some people to come in?
0: And the guy's lucky he didn't die from all that because he had a heart problem anyway, heart condition. And, uh, that was an extraordinary thing. He said that it was almost like this demon was sent to torture him, not just make his heart stop, you know? So I asked him what happened to this individual. And he said that eventually the guy passed away. Um, his heart did just stop. Like he literally just fell over dead And then everybody was freaked out, like, oh, my gosh, this must be the demon getting it. But he thinks that the guy's heart just gave out. But there was something after him, and the guy said he believed it. Um, And he thought that the only way to stop the curse was to negotiate with those people to call it off. And uh, I don't know what happened with that. Neither did he. But um, that's a pretty crazy story. And I got another one. We'll move right into the next one. This one... What was crazy, uh, this one was given to me by a prison guard. A friend of mine is a prison guard. I know a lot of people on both sides of the law, <laughs> the law <laughs> for a long time. Got a lot of friends that are law enforcement and a lot of friends that are ex-military, a lot of friends that have been to prison, unfortunately, and some that are all of the above. That's pretty weird, but it is what it is. And uh, so a couple couple guys, I've, I'm one of them I'm still pretty good friends with. He's a prison guard, and he's done it for a long time. My Uncle Frank was a prison guard for years and years. But, uh, I can tell you this, this was a crazy story. This guy, this happened in a, uh, facility here in Texas, once again, and this, this was crazy. The the guy was screaming and yelling bloody murder in the middle of the night. He just started screaming and yelling. And of course the guards are like, okay, uh, let's go check it out, you know? They go up there. They look through the little – it was one of those cell doors that had the glass panel, you know, in it. And then it's like it's got the reinforced metal inside of it with the the, the barbs and whatever you call it, uh, the, the rebar-looking stuff. And he said that they, they went in there. They looked to see where the, the, the yelling and screaming was coming from. It was, in a, it was a guy in a cell who was by himself, and it wasn't unusual that people would yell and make noise and not go to sleep, whatever. Uh, but this guy sounded like he was being killed. So they did go to check on him and they look through the little glass panel and they see this guy literally being being tossed around all over the, the the cell floor with his sheet around his neck. And he said that the guy was kicking his legs back and forth, which was causing some of the movement. But what he told me was, he's like, it wasn't the guy that was doing it. He wasn't causing him to be tossed around all over the floor. He said that it looked like there was something... On the bed, on, on the on the whatever, the cot or whatever they slept on, that was there like kind of whipping the, the bed sheet around and it was tossed around his neck. And then he was being pushed underneath it. And he said that they ran in and they grabbed the guy and held him down because at first they just didn't know what they were seeing. They didn't know what they were looking at. They didn't know if he was literally doing this to himself, flailing about like, oh, my gosh, you know. And they were holding him and he said that whatever it was, was pulling on the, the, the sheet or what his bed sheet and that it was, it was choking him. It was literally choking him and it had been turned, it had been pulled and turned really tight. The sheet was. And, uh, so he said that this was not like, like it was just something that usually, you know, you don't, you don't have to deal with something like this, you know? And he said that it was like just – it was crazy. This was like he said back when he was a young guy, and this guy's in his 60s now, so I'd say he's probably – I don't know. This happened when he was like 30 years old or something like that. And he said that after that, he quit. Quit working in prison, never went – never just did not want to do any kind of security, anything like that. And I know this guy. I mean he's not – he's never lied to me or told me any other weird stories. It was just this one. And this guy was just whipping around on the floor, and they were they tried to hold him, and he said that you could feel like something pulling this guy, trying to choke him to death. And they did finally manage to get the uh, the the sheet off of from around his neck. They pulled it and got it got it loose, and uh, whatever it was, just the sheet just kind of went limp, and it stopped. And he didn't understand. The guy did not seem to have a clue how, why, or, or like why it was happening. Um, all he knew was that he was asleep. And the next thing you know, he was yanked off of his bed and he was being choked and there was no one else in the room. And I asked him, I was like, was that, that room, was that cell known for being haunted? Did it have some sort of history? And he says, not that I know of. No, it was not known for anything as far as he knows. He had been there for eight months and he'd never heard of anything like that. And after that he quit. He was just like, I'm done. No more. I'm not going to do any kind of. Was not interested, you know, and a while back I had asked him if he wanted a job and he was like, nope, I don't want to do anything wearing a uniform, has anything to do with having to see stuff. <laughs> so that's that story. That's a pretty crazy one there too. And, um. What if it's the
1: same thing? Like a curse being put on him?
0: Well, when they, when they interviewed that guy, you know, cause I asked him about that and I had told him about that, that I had actually heard a story you know, w- very similar. And he told me that, that that guy told him he didn't know why it would happen. He had no enemies. He had never seen that guy fighting with anyone or clicked up with anyone. Clicked up means you're like in a gang. You're, no, you you're, who, him, who are you rolling with? He yeah. wasn't rolling with nobody. He didn't have any insignias, you know. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, mean but who just, knows?
1: He might have just pissed off the wrong dude at the wrong time. And he might have done something that he might have not realized as doing anything bad, but just gone on the wrong nerves of someone. And it's, it's something like that. It's so unfortunate because it's like you don't even know why. Maybe you uh, didn't
0: give up your pudding to someone. And, <laughs> who knows? And they you just, just decided to do that. To you accidentally bumped you. into someone or someone. Who knows? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just.
0: No, well, it's crazy. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of that story. I mean, like. It sounded like you wanted to hang him and pretend well, it was I mean, a suicide. I, I don't know why it did it. I don't oh, know yeah. what to make of it. Yeah. I mean, if I had to, to say, I would say an angry spirit or a demon mm-hmm. that was trying to um, kill this man. But why? I mean, th- there wasn't any precedence for it there. I mean, there wasn't like a, nothing had happened in that cell, you know, as far as I know. And according to the guy, he told me that he had asked several other people that worked at that facility and nobody, even people who had been there several years working there had never, they don't, they didn't know anything about why that would be the case, why that would happen.
1: And so nobody could tell him anything. And this guy left shortly after, right? So he wouldn't know if something like that happened again.
0: Yeah. He said he hung around for, for a little bit longer and then he just quit. Like he finished out the pay period and just was like, I'm done. And he was friends with a lot of people that worked there. They, you know, he had made friends with them and he drank with them a couple of times and went to a barbecue and played softball with them. And none of them could ever tell him anything that that would give any kind of insight to it. And that's what he told me. That's crazy. Guy gets pulled off of his bed, bunk, uh, and by an invisible entity and choked. You tell me, folks. You at home <clears throat> listening, you tell me what you think it was. I honestly, am, if I had to give my honest opinion on it, I think he insulted the bed sheets because <laughs> they were probably rough. This was 30 years ago, whatever, and it was probably,
1: they were probably horrible back then. And he came Ooh. in, he was like, this is not Egyptian quality. This is not Egyptian sheet.
0: cotton. These are 300 thread count. You expect me to live
1: like an animal? And they're like, yes. I spit on you, bedsheets. How dare they? Get out of here, bedsheets.
0: They're like, no, Mr. Convict. We expect you to die. Well, that's a corny one. But, anyways, he almost did. So, here's another one from a prison guard. And uh, this is a guy known, <laughs> uh, used to go out with a girl that I knew back in high school. That's how I met him years ago. We were working out and he came up to me and we started shooting the breeze and I was at the gym and I started working out with this guy. He was a prison. It was a guard. He was working at the jail, the jail or whatever, a jail. I'm not going to say which one, but uh, one in, here in central Texas. And, uh, he claims that it was haunted. We got on the subject of it because my buddy Reggie at the gym told him, he goes, Hey man, this guy, you know, he tells a shout out to Reggie. If you, you know, if you're out there, buddy, good friend of mine. Uh, big, big, uh, gym rat always, you know, working out. And Reggie told me, he goes, yeah, man, he goes, they're, they're up there at the, at the counter, you know, cause we had this little posse that would always hang out at overnight doing the overnight lifting and stuff. And we had a little, little, little group that was always up there, you know, a bunch of gym rats that would work out when there weren't a lot of people in there. And, uh, my friend Reggie ran that gym as a gold's gym down in South Austin. And, uh, I'll never forget. It was a guy that worked. that would go in there at night. He was a, a a, a jail guard. And he told me a crazy story. He he said he he was up there telling the story at, at the counter and then they're all laughing whatever. And then I hear him say, Wolf, Wolf, you know, my friend Reggie tell me, Wolf, come over here, man. This this man's got a story, you know, so I go over there and he tells me, he's like, uh, tell him this crazy story, man. And he goes, he goes, I used to work in a prison. And I was like, yeah, I know. But he goes, he goes, and, I, and now I work at the, at the county, the, whatever, the jail in such and such county. And it wasn't in the county that we live in. But he said, yeah, and I, I work over there now. And, uh, so he told me that, uh, it's haunted and I asked him like, how is it haunted? He said that he literally would watch the cameras and that there was a cell that was, was haunted at this prison. And he said that what they would see would be these like shadow looking entities that look just like people. Like you could almost make out like features, like, they would, they would walk around with their collars, you know, these collared shirts. They'd have the collars up, and they looked like convicts, like, pri- like prisoners, like inmates and the uniforms that they wore. But they would walk around, around, in particular, this one cell where there had been a homicide. Somebody had been killed in there. And that you would see them walking along the wall, and they would go into the cell. And sometimes they would be moving along the wall. And he goes, and in particular, you could see them on camera. And they were telling me this, he was telling me this crazy story and everybody's all like, man, that's crazy. That gives me the chills. Well, I heard so many of these stories over the years and it didn't shock me at all. And when he was telling me about that, that that made a lot of sense because I know that I have personally on more than one occasion seen something on camera that the camera picked up that my naked eye did not pick up. One in particular, when I was working at a bank, bank tower downtown, it's uh, still there and it's called something else now from when I was there. But, uh, yeah, I would see stuff on camera. The guards had all kinds of crazy stuff on camera. I'm going to talk about that in building one of these days. And this guy told me that he would see these shadow looking entities walking along the wall or like, like they were walking and they were in the wall. Let's put it that way. And you would see them straight up with your, with your eyes. But he said that on camera, you would see them. Sometimes you'd see them moving around like people. And they would go in and out of this one cell, and he said that when he was there, he had been there for about six months at that point, you know, when he first had the like an a run-in with one of these things, like face-to-face run-in. he said that they could not keep anyone in those cells because they would be harassed by these shadow people. But he said there was more than one of them, and they would be like one or two, sometimes three, and that they were doing a routine check one day. And when he was in that particular cell, which they called the haunted cell, him and another guy were checking for contraband and they look up and just right there in front of them was a six foot, six and a half foot tall, uh, entity or a black shadow. They could make out the features. He said, you could even see like the hair, the way the hair looked, you know, like how they, like they had hair, you know? Yeah. And he said that it was just moving around like like a person. You could see its arm moving and its hands, and it looked like it was making gestures to them. And he said that it was just like it was in the wall, and it just like came out of the wall, and it was just standing there on on one side of the the bunk bed, uh, and right there by the bunk. And he said that the that the that the inmate was just freaking out and was like, "Dude, man, that's why I want, that's why I don't want to be here. This thing's going to rape me. This thing's going to kill me. It's going to do something to me, you know." And so he was just like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, this guy was freaking out. You know, he can't, like, what are we going to do? You know, this dude's afraid that, you know, this entity, you know, so he had to write in his report, you know, like this this, this guy was wanting to transfer and he felt bad for the guy. And so he told the truth, you know, he put on the, you know, like the, the inmate request transfer. There's, we, we witnessed a something. So then he was talked to by the warden and told, we don't talk about that. We don't write reports up like that. We don't mention that that exists. We don't acknowledge it. So basically, told to shut up and, mm-hmm. and the, the request to be transferred was approved, but not based on his report because he was warned literally that he would be terminated if he wrote another report like that because it was basically false. It was like just a bunch of, you know, gobbledygook, a bunch of, you know, whatever, a bunch of fooey. So they had an interest in keeping it hush-hush what was going on there. Um, you know, it's a crazy story. Um, that was the only crazy one he told me. There was another one he told me, but it was it was pretty, wasn't real. It wasn't as in, you know, like whatever. Um, basically that one night when he was doing his rounds that he heard someone yell from one of the cells, and when he looked in, there was nobody in there. Like somebody had yelled his yeah, name, he yeah. yelled his last name. That's pretty creepy. But, but yeah, I mean, and he turned and looked and there was nobody in there and he was just like, okay. And he said that when he was staring into the darkness, he thought he saw like something move, but he said it might have just been his eyes, you know, and so that he just backed up and was like, get this. <clears throat> so moving on from that story, unless you have any thoughts.
1: No, I mean, it just seems like the, the whatever it was is mad because he had some stash in that room and he was like, oh, these guys are about to check my stuff. So he was adjusting me and like, hey, don't come over here. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. I don't know why a six foot tall black shadow would come out of the wall and just be like, standing like, throwing there. up signs and stuff. Like, what are you Well, doing I don't
0: like? think he threw up signs. He said he was, you could see him moving his hands like he was he talking. Just trying to or talk something. to them? Like, like, yeah. like he was trying to communicate. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, you tell me.
1: I mean, I just, I can't imagine him to be in a cell like that.
0: No, not, not only being. The prison guard, I mean, like, you know, like, like he got to go home. The inmate. Yeah. But being the inmate, you're stuck there. And I mean, that's, that's a story. That's a theme that has has come up over and over again when I've gotten these stories from people, you know, and, and unfortunately one, well, I guess fortunately or unfortunately one of my, one of my really good friends just got out of prison not too long ago. He was in there for quite a while and I was, I've only talked to him twice since he got out, but I was planning on asking him about some weird stories because this wasn't his first go-round, and the first time he had told me kind of a, a crazy story. And uh, here, here's what happened to him. The, the, but this is the only story he had told me previously. I'm going to talk to him again at some point and see if I can get anything else. But um, he had told me that a lot of weird stuff happens in prison and that people had told him a lot of crazy stories. And uh, he told me a couple, but it would just be telling a secondhand story from someone else's second, You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's his, He heard a story, and then I'm telling a story he heard. So it kind of gets watered down but but um this one happened to him he said that he was asleep in his in his uh bunk by himself and that something reached up and grabbed his ankle and shook him awake and that he woke up and he looked and there was nobody there and he said this happened periodically like at least once or twice a week and he said that w- at one point it happened three times like in one week like and that was all that ever happened to him it was just that which is something was always grabbing him Shaking him, waking him up. But he said that the only problem was it was just annoying. Boy, It was annoying and it was waking him up. But uh, as far as what happened to him, that's all that, that he had told me anything that had happened to him. And um, that's kind of like, that's not real, you know, eventful or whatever, but it still sucks. I mean, you know, uh, and it still gives credence to the to the idea that these prisons are haunted and that something happens in these prisons because of all the crazy stuff that happens and uh, he did say he was at Chow, you know, when he first got there, and they were like, what cell you got? And then this guy was telling him, you know, and he's like, oh, man, dog, you got the haunted cell, fool. Like, he told him that, you know, like, at Chow, you know, like, oh, man, you better watch yourself, man. That cell's haunted, man. He'd be grabbing people, and then it did. It literally happened to him over and over again, Um, but he said other than that, like, sometimes when he was in there you know, he'd be writing or something and he would feel like somebody was behind him, breathing on him, like breathing behind him or whatever, but he would look and he didn't see nothing. But he said he never felt like anything. It was like
1: malicious, malicious evil. He said it didn't really,
0: it wasn't like some evil dude. But anyway, I will be eventually getting some stories from him because I know that he told me he had some stories, but here's one that was pretty crazy. This one was told to me, this one actually happened out in California. This was in a really bad prison. And this happened to, to this particular person. He was a friend of mine's dad, and he had gone to prison. And uh, it really, really shocked me when I had found out that he had gone to prison because he had a a, a business. He was, you know, and so, But when he was young, I guess he had stole a car, and he got chased by the police, and he crashed it. And then he ran, and a bunch of stuff happened. And he got put in a, in a facility. And then he got into a fight with a guard in the facility, and from there he ended up getting a bit you know, so it just kind of snowballed. So he ended up in a few years in the joint. And by talking to this guy, I mean, he was very well read, very, very spoke, very articulate. I couldn't believe that my friend's dad had gone to prison. He was always outside shooting hoops with us. People and stuff. change. Yeah, he was very much a changed person. He, he But uh, I always thought he was really cool, man. He was like the cool dad, you know, like he, he drove a really fast car, and he'd let us like get in the car with him. And he even let me drive it once when I was like younger than I should have been. Yeah. I was like driving it, whatever. And, and, uh, and so he was pretty cool. We were young teenagers and we'd go hang out over there sometimes. And, uh, they actually lived in a house that had some weird stuff happening, seeing the shadows and all that stuff. And this, his dad didn't actually live in that house. He lived with his stepdad and his mother but his dad would come, uh, and then you know my buddy would call me up and be like, "Hey, you want to play a pickup game, football, basketball, whatever?" And his dad would go would be out there playing with us. He was very athletic, and so he was a cool dad. He took us out to the lake, stuff like that. And uh, so, anyways, his dad tells me a story one day when we started talking about these, as my friend called them, ghost monsters. That's what he said they looked like, like these blobs with eyes that he would see in his house. And his dad's like, man, that ain't nothing, dude. I got, I can tell you a story about, <laughs> he goes, these, what you're talking about, he goes, I was in prison out in California and I'm not going to give the prison that he was at. <clears throat> but, um, he said he was out in prison in California and that one day, uh, he got transferred to a different unit and he was in a cell. They put him in a cell and they told him, they said the, 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 you're only going to be in this cell for a couple of days and then we're going to move you once another cell opens up. And he's like, why is that? And he goes, well... Uh, we're just going to move you. And he's like, okay. <clears throat> so a, a couple it's days go foreboding. by. Yeah. It's kind of foreboding. Right. And so a couple of days, he said that he didn't think nothing of it until something happened. Yeah. And then he was like, ah, I get no, it. No, I understand. Yeah. And so then he said he had a, 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 a roommate, you know, a cellmate that came and, and they, they, that was their little house as they call it. And the guy was in in the bunk, you know, whatever, they shared the bunks or whatever. And he said that uh, it wasn't a real big cell, but he said that in the middle of the night on that third, I think he said the second uh, night was when he got the roommate. And the third night was when this happened. And he said that, that he heard the door open, like, uh, uh, you know, like literally he did the sound effect and everything. He said the door opened and closed it. And he thought that somebody had opened that entered the cell. And he said, this wasn't that late. It wasn't even midnight. And he said he looked up and he witnessed like this shadow entity or something walking along the wall, carrying in his, in his hand what looked like a shank. Like, you know, like, like somebody fashions a toothbrush to stab you or a piece of metal they get from somewhere in the shop something or something. Sharp, they get basically. something to, to take yeah. you out. You know what I mean? So this dude, this thing was walking along the wall holding what looked like a shank. And he said that it walked and then it stopped. And the and he said that his bunkmate was below him. And he said, hey, are you seeing this? And the guy's like, yeah, I'm looking at this. I can't believe this. And they're sitting there staring at it. And he said that it like turned, like it was like, it did like a like a turn. And he said that he saw that it had red eyes. But he said one thing that was weird was like one of the eyes was bigger than the other. Like he said that there was like, like uh, I think he said it was left on the left side of it, what would have been its left side. It was like this big red eye and then there was this like small little slant for the other eye. It was like red. And he said that it was so weird, dude. Then it just kind of faded into the, into the wall and then it was gone. And so he said that, that his bunkmate and him were staring at this thing and they were like, what was that? You know, now here's, what's crazy. He got transferred. They moved them both and they ended up going each to different cells or whatever. And he said that the couple of days later, whatever they they transferred him out, and uh, he he realized. He said that 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 he started asking around, and the the guards or whatever told him, you know, they're like, we don't keep anybody in that cell, um, because it's it's like when you first come until we can find you somewhere, because there's always uh, complaints about that. cell. and the inmates just kept on kind of like being mum about it and, and telling him because he was a new guy, and they were just like. Well, you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll see, you'll see it. You'll see what it is. And apparently what, what happened was a guy had been killed in that cell and he had actually gone into, there was a, there was a guy that went into that cell and attacked a dude and poked his eye out, like had stabbed him in the eye in that cell. Now, Apparently, the guy that lost his eye took the whatever it was, The like there was a fight that ensued, and he stuck the other guy, and they both ended up perishing, ended up dying. One died later in the infirmary, and this guy died in the cell. And so they literally, after he saw it, then he started talking to the inmates at Chow and at Rec, and they were like, yeah, this... uh this entity, whatever they, they call it the, the, the one eyed ghost or one eyed, whatever. And he said, it was weird because that one of the eyes was red and full size. And then the other eye was like a, like it had been, like, it was just a small little slant. Like it was red eye. It was so weird. I mean, it was a weird story that he told me, but, um, yeah, I, and that, that story there, just like, it was like, I, I don't know what to make of that, but
1: wait, so they, they both perished, right? Mm-hmm. And the there guy, were two people that died. Yeah, and the guy that got stabbed in the eye, he died in the cell. Mm-hmm. Okay, was he the one that went in to attack him? Um, I I can't remember if it was like he he's the one that
0: went in to attack him, or if it was the the or if he was the one that was in the cell and he got stabbed in the eye. I believe he told me that it was the guy who was in the cell and he got stabbed in the eye, but he did manage to stab the other guy or get control of the situation and stab the other guy. But they both ended up bleeding to death.
1: Yeah, so. Chaotic nature of prison. Yeah. And you know, it leaves us staying. And
0: Folks, that's why you don't want to go there. It's not a place you even want to visit. <laughs> but uh, who knows we'll get attached
1: to you. But I, mm-hmm. I can't, the, the recurring theme seems like other oh, wardens who know it always seem to want to keep it hush hush.
0: Yeah, they don't want to go. Well, because you you know they, they don't want to put in a report that somebody had is being beaten by an invisible ghost. Like who's the, nobody's gonna? How are you gonna take that up to the higher ups and tell them? Yeah, okay, this is what's happening in our prison. Um, people are getting attacked by ghosts. Nobody's gonna nobody. It's like an unspoken thing. It happens apparently happens in a lot of prisons. It's, you know, people see spirits. They see ghosts. They see they feel things and they see things. Um, one guy told me a story, this is a real long story, but he was telling me that he was in a, uh, jail down South Texas, uh, very old, rustic, very, very not up to date facility Mm -hmm. in a small town. Now folks, you go to jail in Texas and you, and you go into a holding cell before you go to County. I can tell you right now. now, before, before you say anything, I've been in jail twice. I've been in jail for a parking ticket. Uh and I got I got arrested for not to parking ticket I'm sorry I got arrested for a warrant I had for a traffic warrant
1: traffic violation warrant. yep
0: and I got I got put in jail for for five uh what was it littering and uh dis dis disorderly con I can't remember what it was but I was in there for like whatever. a day or two you uh-huh. know and then one time I got I got when I got arrested I had to spend the whole weekend because it, the the judge ain't there to let you you know whatever so they just kept me in there and so I went in there and the the holding cells are terrible. I mean, even here in Austin, they were just absolutely terrible. Um, they've changed this the loca- location where they keep you now here in Austin, from what I've been told from where I used to do central booking. And so it's not as bad. And then once you get out to county, it's not as bad. And then you get a little more freedoms as you go to prison. But then who the heck wants – I don't want to go through the system and ever have to deal with that. But anyways, these stories – the the one guy was telling me a story. He said he was down in a pri- in a jail, not a prison, but like in a, in a, like he got in trouble. Okay. He punched a bartender in a, in a bar and it was a bar that was not, it was a bar of ill repute. It had a bad name and you know, this is the kind of place he'd be hanging out. I can tell you. Yeah. So he punched this guy and he goes and he was in there for a couple of days and he said that, uh, crazy story. Like, like, okay, they were standing, uh, to go in line or standing in line or whatever, to go to chow, or whatever, to go eat, whatever they, they didn't have the little, where they bring you your trays or whatever they, they, uh, they had, they let them come out and they would all just go eat at this little picnic type area whatever. And they would handcuff them to the, you know, whatever. So anyways, he said this was a long time ago too. So they did things a little differently, I guess, you know, and it was a little podunk town. I'm not going to name the town cause I don't want them suing me or something for talking bad about them. But uh, he said that they brought them all out. There was about four or five guys. You know, nobody was a felon. They weren't in there for killing anybody or doing anything like that. It was like disorderly conduct, fighting, public intoxication, whatever. And he said that they were all sitting there at this little picnic-type table in a little courtyard, and they were eating. And he said that they saw this, like, black fog, like a black mist. It looked like a little cloud. And, and so it, it went – it, it kind of floated on the ground and went in between some bushes and went into a vent. When it went into the vent, okay, like they said that it like, like it disappeared, like it was like smoke or vapor and it just kind of disappeared. Like it was like, you could still see a little bit of the vapor kind of like hovering around the vent. And so he said that a couple of the uh, gar- uh, the 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 cons that he was, or the uh, jail guys, I don't know what you would call them, cons, because they weren't cons. But the guys that he was in jail with, they were like, "Hey, hey!" and they told the guards, "They're like, hey, this some some black cloud thing just went through the vent," and the guard just was like, "Yeah, it'd be all right. Don't worry about it. Just eat your bologna sandwiches. Shut up." Literally told him just like that. Just shut up, man. Eat your bologna sandwiches. Shut up. Don't worry about that cloud. It ain't hurting you. Just shut up. Well, He said, as they were walking back out to into the uh, hallway to go back into their cells, this is what he said. He it said happened. He said that he was one of the first ones to go into his cell. So he didn't actually see this with his own eyes, but he heard the other uh, guys getting panicky and start to yell and scream and and freak out. And he saw this commotion. So he came back out of his uh, his cell as whatever it was, was all he saw was the, the black mist going back into the, to the, the vent. And he said that one of the, the, one of the, uh, uh, guards came up and was like, y'all be quiet. Y'all get in y'all cells and started pushing them back into the the jail cells, whatever. And it was like, I guess, you know, he was like, if y'all gonna act like that, I'm gonna make y'all eat your lunch in your cell, you know? And he, he had his suspicions as to why they even bothered to let him out. He thinks it was because they didn't want to have to clean up the mess inside the jail cells. And, uh, so anyways, he said that the jail cells were full of roaches and it was just horrible. It was like, it should have been from the 1800s or something, you know? And he said that this thing had come out of the vent. He said that it looked like black with little pointy fingers or whatever, according to the guys that saw it, because he didn't actually see, it, like he went into his cell, that it had like little pointy fingers, like, like, uh, almost like talons that were sticking out of the, the, the fingers or whatever. And that it had like a skeleton head and it just looked like half of a grim reaper coming out of the, uh, of the, uh, bill. And he was like, what the heck is that? You know, like nobody could, you know, well, here's what one of the guards told him. Like he finally got released, whatever. And, uh, he said that he actually went and, and he, he took care of, like, he got a ticket or something. He had to pay a fine or something. It wasn't a big deal. He got, he didn't get a charge with assault because he and him and the guy were both drunk or whatever. And the guy didn't press charges. And so they let him go. And he said he ran into one of those police officers and, in uh, He went to go eat somewhere and he saw one of them that that was there, that was there the day that that happened. And he said that, um, he asked that guy, he goes, Hey man, he goes, I was in jail or whatever you were working there, you know? Um, and the guy's like, yeah. And he goes, what was that black shadow thing that went into the, he goes, man, that's a, that thing has been around for a long time. He said that we, we, we try, he's like, it just comes out of nowhere in any given time. There's no set time that it comes. There's no pattern to it. He said, but the, the most terrifying incident that's ever taken place with that, that creature entity was when there were some, some guys that were there. Uh, there was only one inmate at that time, one one guy in the jail, and there were two guys that were there, and they all three witnessed this thing come out of the vent and began to morph into like a shape, like a solid human type shape, but it looked skeletal, but it was black. It was all black and that it began to crawl on the ground like it was crawling like it was trying to gain like a form and he said that it was like it was starting to um go from being like skeletal to like flesh but it was all black and it was still like very much like a vapory cloud <laughs> he said that was the, the 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 most you know terrifying of any of the incidents he's ever heard of this thing he said it got about halfway down the the hallway and then it just dissipated
1: I don't know what the heck to say to that. It seems like it's some kind of spirit that's trying to gain, you know, a form, become actual like corp, uh, like trying corporeal, to enter
0: corporeal, yeah, yeah,
1: trying to enter our plane yeah. or whatever. Yep. And
0: folks, that's all the time we have for tonight. And, and like I said, we left a lot of meat on the bone—no pun intended. But <laughs> we left a lot of uh, meat on the bone for these stories and. uh. Yeah, we'll get back to this subject because I have a really terrifying one, you know, and I have one that I'll be talking about on the Ultimate Realities um, episode.
1: I was just thinking, you know, as bad as the prisons that we, you know, have to experience, like the lawlessness that sometimes can happen in prison. Can you imagine the stories of of, uh, what happens in like the Mexico prisons? Where things are just so yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's
0: actually one of the stories I didn't get to talk to talk wow. about tonight. You know, is is a prison that a story that happened in Mexico, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about that on another episode. But
1: yeah, I can't wait now. Yeah,
0: because that one is a is a doozy, and I'll definitely get to that one at some point. But um, Anthony, I think you've heard it. I told you, but uh, yeah, so. From whatever uh, jail cell you're in, whatever prison you're being choked in, whatever. Whatever uh, shadow party you're hosting. Whatever wraith is, is chasing you with his, with his uh,
1: talent or whatever. What is it called? <laughs>
0: with the, uh, the, the the Grim Reaper? Uh, uh, scythe. Scythe. Uh, whatever you're being chased by with with whatever. Uh, everybody have a good night and stay safe. And whatever you do, stay out of prison. Stay out of jail. How about not breaking any laws and committing any crimes? you would be fine.
1: I know it seems hard, but all you got to do is um, just don't do crime. Yeah,
0: don't do crime. Even though sometimes it seems like the laws are just very plentiful, very plentiful, but... and you know you got to do what you got to do. But uh, don't don't break laws, and maybe just maybe you won't go to prison. And uh, with that, good night.